0: Welcome to the Canine PT Academy Podcast, business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists, introducing your host, Dr. Francisco Maya. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're at in this world. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the K9PT Academy podcast Business Lessons for K9 Rehabilitation Therapists. And before we get to today's podcast episode, just a couple of really cool things that I wanted to manch- mention to you all. First of all, Thank you so much for being a listener. And the reason why I'm saying that is because we just passed the mark of 10,000 downloads for our podcast, which is just amazing to think that, um, you know, our episodes have been downloaded and listened Ten thousand times now and it's just uh uh, really cool to see how helpful it has been right not just with the the new episodes that are coming out every week uh you know and and you guys letting me know kind of like how helpful it has been i always always appreciate that but then also people finding older episodes from a year over a year ago even and finding um helpful information with those episodes. And that's what's really cool about doing a podcast is that it becomes this library, if you will, of resources that it's out there for you to go back and at any point in time look it up and access uh, a topic that maybe you missed or maybe that you want to listen to it again or whatever it may be. So just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thanks so much for sharing episodes with your colleagues, with, you know, another canine rehab therapist who might be in the same position trying to figure out how to make this business work. That's probably the biggest uh, uh Uh, show of appreciation actually you can give it to us is by sharing you know i think that's really important so we can spread the word out that we are out here to help you all with the business sides of things and then speaking of then. The second thing to mention is that last week, the team at Online Pet Health released another one of our trainees that we had done with them as a podcast episode and also as a YouTube video too. And it was about the metrics that we should be tracking within our business. And it's a, a topic that, you know, I'll be the first one to say that it can be fairly boring. You know, it's not exciting like marketing and whatever else, but it is needed. It is needed for us to be able to run a sustainable and profitable business, you know. And I'll highly recommend watching the YouTube version of it. And I'll post the link on the show notes, primarily being because that was a training done uh, where I did some screen sharing, showing some spreadsheets, showing, you know, how we track those things. And I think seeing that on a YouTube video would be much uh, uh, better than just listening to it as a podcast episode. But I just wanted to thank the team at Online Pet Health for releasing that because I think it's very helpful for every single one of you guys. And uh, if you need any help with that kind of stuff, that's what I'm here for, right? So I know a lot of you guys think about what I do in terms of helping marketing, helping get a business off the ground. But I'm here also to help tighten up the finances of your business, help figure out how to track these things. It is something that we do with our incubator students to help them track things. But if you need some sort of like consulting uh, to help implement those things into your business, we also have that available for you as well. Okay, But (coughs) let's get to uh, today's podcast episode, which it is titled The Two-Minute Drill. Alright, and just the previous week, a lot of us watched the Super Bowl, right? The championship game for, uh, if you will, American football, right? Since I'm from Brazil, I call real football football, and this is American football, And it doesn't matter if you watched, you know, because you love football, if you watch, you know, for the commercials, if you watch for the halftime show, you know, a lot of us watch the Super Bowl just because it's the Super Bowl. You know, it's just like a cultural thing, especially in the United States. Uh, And it's very fascinating to even look at the data that came out afterwards that actually 123 million viewers across Live TV and streaming platforms in the U.S. alone watched the Super Bowl that evening. 123 million, right? That's insane, you know, and and that's just in the U.S. alone, right? But even if you don't follow football, but you watch the game, then you saw kind of like what happened. And what happened is that the quarterback for Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, he basically marched his team down the field on a drive at the end of the regular time where they had to at least score a field goal to tie the game to send it to overtime. And he drove his team down the field with less than two minutes left and basically kicked that field goal, tied the game, went to overtime, and then later on they won the game. And that type of drive in football is called the two-minute drill. And that's hence the title of today's podcast episode. And what happens within the two-minute drill is that the offense... Basically, is trying to move the ball as quickly as they can down the field because they are running against the clock and they need to score, of course, before the, the time ends. Right. So they don't have all the time in the world. They can't be calling all the plays as they wish. They can't be getting on the, you know, on the huddle where the players come together and, you know, the quarterback calls a play or something like that. They need to be in a hurry up offense, which is a two minute drill and and because of that they go into what is called a no huddle offense like a like I briefly alluded right where what happens with a no huddle offense is that the quarterback calls the play as the team is lining up for it rather than all the players coming into this huddle where then he lets them know hey this is what we're running okay and of course this is done so they can run faster like run the plays quicker so they can speed up the play time And as you can imagine, to run a very efficient two-minute drill, which Patrick Mahomes is probably, at least at this point in time, the best quarterback that does that, uh, as you can imagine, it requires a significant amount of training, of practice and repetition, so all the players know the plays that are going to be called during that time, and they know what they should be doing, and they know how to understand the signals that are being sent to them, and that kind of stuff, right? Right? so much like you know you the podcast listener were thinking about when i did a podcast just recently which actually got very good feedback on the business lessons from taylor swift or when i did business lessons from you know the world cup you know you're probably wondering why we're talking about the mean the Drew and no offense but you know, you got that right. It's because there is business lessons that we can take from this, and I think it's very important to understand that, all right? And and what I mean by that is what if we take that same kind of mentality in terms of practicing something to the extent that it just becomes so automatic, it becomes so automated that we don't even have to think about it, right, like it is a two-minute drill. What if we take that into different aspects of our business, So, for example, let's talk about the intake call, which you have heard me talking about in multiple podcast episodes before, before, which that intake call is really about building a relationship, really about understanding where people are coming from and connecting with them. If they book at the end of the call, if they book an evaluation, wonderful, that's a plus, but that shouldn't be the goal. We want to really build that trust and build that relationship with them. And because of that, Yes, we do have certain things we want to cover during that call, but I'm not a big fan of having a script, for example. Sometimes people ask me, like, Frank, can I have the script of your phone calls? And it's like, we, we actually don't have it. We have certain ways of saying things. We have certain things that we want to make sure that we're covering. But. It is really about uh, uh, being able to adapt to the circumstances, be able to adapt to the conversation. And to be able to do that in a very efficient and effective way, it takes practice. It takes doing those phone calls over and over again. It takes listening back to those phone calls. So you can use that as as a training tool to figure it out. Okay, how can I respond to this question better next time? How can I respond to this situation a little bit better next time? right and 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 that's how you get better at doing uh for example doing take calls is just practice practice and practice you know and it was just very interesting that uh um Later in 2023, and first week of 2024, our client manager was off because um, of personal reasons and because she was just very sick with the flu afterwards. And I had to jump in and do those phone calls. And I hadn't done uh, uh, many of those phone calls in a while. And it was just interesting that the first one of two calls, like I was a little bit like rusty with it. But then I just got the flow back with it right away. And the reason being is because I've done so many of those through the years, especially early on when it was just me that I just developed this two-minute drill with the calls, basically. Not that the calls are less than two minutes, far from it, but in terms of just being something that it becomes automatic. It just becomes automated. And I know what to say, and I know how to react to this, and I know I know what I want to say next before I even get to that point. And a lot of times I'm trying to break up people's objections before they even become an objection because I understand how the conversation is going, right? But as you can imagine, that takes a whole lot of practice, The other example that I could think of with our businesses and how we can implement this two-minute drill kind of concept is about how we communicate to clients, how we communicate to pet owners, the framework on how it is that we actually going to help their pets and how we discuss the pricing, how we discuss the cost of things with them. Right. And and we need to understand that the selling needs to take place during the evaluation. We can't shy away from it. As a canary rehab therapist, sometimes, you know, we can be very uh, uncomfortable talking about money. And I get it. I was in that position before. But we need to practice so we can get comfortable with it. And it doesn't mean that it's a car salesman kind of pitch. No, it's about you communicating, you educating that kind of like this is how I'm going to be able to help you. You know, and the, the the way you get better and better and better over this is practice as well. And it was the same thing when I was developing those systems and doing those on my own. And the practice is what made our physical therapists now really do really well with it too on their own without me having to do anything with it. Just like, you know, our client manager on the phone call as well. And it doesn't mean that there is a script that they need to follow. That they need to say exactly what you know I'm telling them to say. Is about understanding. This is the message that we want to try to convey. These are the things that we want to hit on, and adapting to the circumstances. And to be able to do that, it need it takes practice. It takes practice. It takes reviewing those things afterwards, and just getting better over and over again. Okay. So hopefully you you understand kind of like where I'm going with it with the two-minute drill, right? And and here's the key thing with those things and the two-minute drill itself, that it is going to be about practice, practice, and practice. And I cannot tell you how many times I hear from and Rehab Therapists something like, oh, well, friend, I'm not good at selling the plan of care, or friend, I'm not good at talking on the phone and handling the intake call, you know, and I, I, I get it. Like, I wasn't good at those things either. Right, but then my question is, how many times have you actually practiced those skills? Right, because guess what? I wasn't good as a PT student in feeling like the, the, the joint play, for example. Like, I, I remember in PT school, I've ever, I, I had a very hard time, like, being like, okay, this is kind of like what I'm feeling, you know, and even sometimes properly positioning my body to perform in your therapy, especially because, you know, those of you who don't don't know me in person, you know, it's kind of like a joke when people meet me in person. It's like, oh my God, friend, I didn't know you were that tall. Like, I'm six five, So sometimes understanding how to position my body, uh, you know, as a PT student, and then even later on, as I'm working with canines, it, you know, it, it can be kind of awkward and you're trying to figure it out, right? And I wasn't good at it, but I practiced and I got better at it, you know, and actually the... Reminds me of a a funny but very true story. I remember the very first solo evaluation that I did during my clinical rotation as a PT student. So this would have been back in either 2010 or 2011. And, of course, I had observed my clinical instructor do, you know, countless evaluations. You know, we had discussed those, all that kind of stuff. But then one day we had an evaluation for like i think it was just a new replacement or something like that it wasn't anything super complicated but he was like you good taking that on your own you know and i'm like uh sure you know why not so <laughs> i took that evaluation on my own and poor like Poor uh, uh, this like older woman. Like it, it took me like two hours to get through the whole evaluation. Probably just a subjective alone, like a good forty-five minutes or so, right? And it wasn't because the patient had a lot going on and anything like that. You know, like I said, it was a fairly straight case. I'm pretty sure it was a total knee replacement. Uh, but this was the first time that I was doing this whole thing on my own. And my thought process, my brain was scattered and going everywhere because I hadn't practiced enough times to understand, like, this is the flow of the evaluation. This is what I want to talk. This is what I want to touch upon. And then this is what I go afterwards in terms of the objective evaluation and this and that and whatnot, you know. And then not even mention, like, education component, which is very big. And as a student, I still, of course, didn't feel comfortable about it, right? But that's another thing. Besides the intake call and besides the communicating the framework and how you're going to help your, your patients, that is very important to practice, practice, and practice, which is the communication, the I'm sorry, the education component. When you're educating your pet owner about the CCL tear, when you're educating them about arthritis, educating them about IVDD, hip dysplasia, whatever it is, you know, it just needs to become second nature. The, what you're saying and how you're saying and making sure that they're getting it, making sure that, They're building that trust and that confidence that you can help them, right? And that it's only going to come through practice and it's going to be practice, practice and practice, you know, but anyways, during that evaluation uh, with my very first one in my clinical rotation, like it took me forever because my brain was basically like all over the place. You know, but hopefully, you can see what I mean by the two minute drill and how this applies for both us as clinicians but also as business owners, too. Right? Because if you're not good at something, first of all, you need to stop saying that you're not good at that, right? Because if you keep telling yourself, I'm not good at selling, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that, guess what? Your brain's gonna start believing in that. So, first of all, start, uh, uh, stop saying those things to yourself. And then start practicing over and over again until not only you are very good at it, but also you are so good at it that you can actually help other folks become better at it. And that's when you know you really, really, really know your stuff. It's when you're able to take something that you weren't very good at and now you're able to teach about it. Teach another uh, a vet rehabber. Teach another canary rehab therapist. Teach a student. Teach a client about something. Whatever it may be. Like that's when you become really good at it. Right? And that's why I'm a big proponent of when I'm coaching through my programs, like I'm not a big fan of like Scripts. I'm not a big fan of like done for you kind of like stuff that like, oh, this is how you do it. Just follow this and this is how you do it. No, I want you to learn how to fish. Right? I want you to understand that how you're going to be able to do this on your own. How you're going to talk on the phone. How you're going to sell a package of sessions. How you're going to sell a plan of care. Not just because I want you to become good at it so you can grow your own business. So you can, of course, uh, 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 do what you want to do but I want you to become good at it because I want you to be able to teach your staff on how to do that as well. Teach your administrative staff how to handle the intake call. Teach your clinician how to be able to sell a package. Right? The only way you're gonna be able to teach folks how to do that in an efficient and effective way is if you are really good at doing those things yourself. Otherwise, it's gonna become really, really, really hard. And I'm not saying you need to become the expert of it, but you need to understand how to do it. And that's why I'm a big proponent of teaching you how to do it to the point where you become good at it. And not because you're going to keep doing those things forever. You can if you want to, but because then you can start delegating those things and you can teach those things to your staff as well. Right. And that's what I mean by the two minute drill. The reason why the Kansas City is so good at it as a football team, and why Patrick Mahomes himself is so good at it, guess what? It's because they practice that over and over and over again for just that one time that they needed. And guess what? They needed it that in the biggest stage, which is the Super Bowl, and they were able to deliver because they practiced that over and over and over again. So... Hopefully, that's helpful. Hopefully, that makes sense. Okay. And once again, if you need help with the finance and metrics and stuff, like I show on the training for online pet health that is available on YouTube, just reach out and we can talk about that as well. Sounds good. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the K9PT Academy podcast. Business Lessons for Canine Rehabilitation therapist. If you enjoyed what we had to say, please make sure to share or subscribe to our podcast or even leave us a review. You can also email us at Hello at k9ptacademy.com. That's hello at k9ptacademy.com with any questions or suggestions. And go to k9ptacademy.com to find more resources and content, including our fee calculator spreadsheet, which is absolutely free and will help you determine how much you should be charging for your sessions. Because let's face it, determining what we should be charging is one of the biggest struggles we have as business owners in the K9